Last week, we celebrated uh, Bible Day, which was signed by the President that the last Monday of January is always celebrated as Bible Day. So, happy Bible Day. Belated, I'm sorry. Belated happy Bible Day. It's a day that uh, we can use every year to invite our friends, our family, to invest time in the Bible or Bible reading. So today I felt it was appropriate to speak about the Word of God, Scripture, once again. And I am sure that you love Scripture. Can you say, I love Scripture? And say, I love the Bible. Say it again, I love the Word of God. So we love the Word of God, and we have to love the Word of God. You know, a preacher once said, the Word of God, Jesus, is also called the Word of God. In John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through time, the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament and the New, is known as the Word of God. Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. And the, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So uh, even Paul in his writing says that the foundation is Christ. And Jesus said the foundation are his words. So we can actually say that how you treat the words of Christ is the same way that you treat Christ. Meaning if you give importance to scripture, then you are truly giving importance to Christ. Because you cannot just, just say emotionally, I love the Lord. Uh, you have to do something about it. And one way is through the Holy Scriptures. How can you say you love the Lord? Can you say you love your spouse but don't serve your spouse? Can you actually say that? Nobody can say that. Nobody can say they love their family if they don't serve the family. So the same way we cannot say we love Christ if we are not uh, in love with the Scriptures as well. That's why I find it uh, there's a, a dichotomy, a separation sometimes of what people say. Believers say that they believe in the Bible, but they give so much little time to reading and studying it. So I usually encourage people within my group, and once in a while I ask them, and I assume that they are reading the Bible, and after a year or two I ask them, have you finished it? And that is a very probing question. So they can either lie to me to look good, or they can tell the truth and say, no, I haven't. I say, so how long have you been a believer? And uh, do you read other stuff? Do you read Facebook? Do you read uh, the newspaper? Do you read, have you read novels, thick novels? Have you spent time with these things? And if you have and you don't invest time in reading God's word, even minutes, 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Because if you reinvest even just 15 minutes a day in a few years, two or three, you'll be done with all of the Bible. No, really. Really. Because one chapter, some chapters in the Bible are quite short. We have one verse chapters. You want to know where it is? Well, you just find the middle chapter of the whole Bible. That's the shortest. Okay, that's a trivia. Look for it. The shortest uh, chapter in the Bible, plus the longest. It's, it's uh, where's the longest? There is a lo very, very long chapter there, and it's about, the longest chapter is about the Word of God. Yeah? Oh, 
well, I know you're going to Google it, just take notes, and I'll Google that later. And uh, yes, the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Word of God. So um, we come here now to Paul, Paul's letter to Timothy. A few weeks ago, I visited uh, a seminar here in the ground floor, and our brother, Pastor Del Vitalis, was teaching about uh, the pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. These are the pastoral letters. And uh, I said, great, you know, I, I love 1 Timothy, I love 2 Timothy and Titus. It speaks to us if we want to serve the Lord, workers, to those who want to serve and, and do something for the Lord. When I say workers, I don't mean you are officially a worker, a paid worker, or a paid volunteer. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, everybody should serve the body of Christ. Everybody, there's an assumption already that everybody should serve. But, you know, through time, we have put a dichotomy between these are those who serve and these are those who just listen every Sunday. And we really like to break that, that there is no, no difference. And through time, you know, we have separated the clergy and then we call the, the other part the laity, the lay people and the clergy. It's like uh, the pastors and the members or uh, in other religions, it's the priests, the high priest, or the imams and those who listen. But in scripture, it, we have different roles. There are shepherds, there are leaders, there are teachers, but we are all ministers. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, that everybody must be equipped to minister. So can you say, I am a worker? I can't hear you. I am a worker. I am a minister. The word minister is not a title as we use it today. Like in other countries, they say you are the minister of defense, uh, meaning in our case, secretary, uh, the director of that defense of, the, of that nation, or the secretary of tourism, or minister of tourism. It actually means the servant or the servant leader. The word minister, I prefer the word minister than the word reverend. You know, I really don't like that word reverend. But sometimes when I get invited to speak in other churches, I get to be introduced as the reverend. Can you not use that for me? You know why the word reverend? You know what it means? To revere. It means the exact words are the awesome. So can I put that before my name, Ed Pilapil Jr.? The awesome Ed Pilapil Jr. Let us all welcome the awesome Ed Pilapil Jr. So it's just... I. I Biblically, the more you're rooted in Scripture, the more you don't want to receive the honor. You want to give all glory to God. If people honor you, you have to uh, throw the glory back to God immediately and not absorb any of it. So never call me reverend. Call me bro. Is that okay? Can you say hi, bro? Okay. If you're young, call me kuya, all right? Kuya, all right? Uh, if you're older than me, don't call me, no, no, okay? I, I don't like that, okay? <laughs> uh, don't do that to me. You can call me uh, Brother Ed. Uh, I prefer that because the word pastor is not really a title in the Bible. It is a function. Yes, it is, it is a function of spiritual authority by teaching the Word of God, but it is not really a title. But we have made it, you know, our culture loves titles. Oh, engineer, attorney, uh, we love titles. And then you have put pastor in front of ministers as well. 
We are brothers and sisters in Christ. The supreme authority is Scripture. Amen? We have no Pope. I am not a Pope here. So don't call me Papa. Okay? <laughs> Please don't call me Daddy if you're not one of my kids. Hi, Daddy Ed. You know, that feels weird if you call me. And in public, if you call me that, people might think something, okay? Uh, and I don't want them thinking about anything. So if you're not my real kid or child, don't call me that. We have no popes. Scripture is the highest authority. And even a pastor in a church can be rebuked if he disobeys the Word of God. Is that clear? So there is no pastor here that is infallible. We don't believe in that because the scripture says if you claim that you have not sinned, then uh, you're a liar in 1 John. But the Bible did say stay away from sin. But then you cannot, nobody can claim perfection on earth at the same time. You see, there's a critical balance of abstaining, running away, rejecting sin, and at the same time, that humility to admit that I am not perfect. Therefore, Paul... This leader, godly leader, yet very humble, was in chains. He was under Roman captivity. So Paul writes to Timothy, whom he calls son in the faith. Take note, Paul never says, call me Papa Paul, all right? So he says, Paul, comma, an apostle, meaning the function. He did not sign, the apostle Paul writes to you. It's always Paul, comma, the apostle. The apostle was descriptive of what he does. Yes, I'm a pastor, but that is descriptive of what we do. That is not necessarily a title. And one of the things that I really, really, really don't like, if you call me pass. <laughs> For the record, when I was here the first year, everybody calls pastors pass, pass. And I didn't want to respond. I didn't want to look. So, yeah, you're talking to me? I don't like pass. If you're going to call me pastor, say the full word, Pastor Ed, or Brother Ed is fine. And uh, first name basis, if we are friends, I don't mind you calling me Ed. If you feel uncomfortable, Brother Ed is fine. So, uh, because if I were to write to you, Ed Pilapil Jr., comma, your pastor, okay? Not the Pastor Ed, or Reverend Ed, or the awesome Ed Pilapil. Um, <laughs> Now, because these things are done in our culture, we allow them, okay? But I'm just telling you I'm uncomfortable. So if somebody gives you a business card that says reverend, don't be judgmental of them, all right? And uh, a lot of our leaders today in different evangelical churches likes calling themselves bishop. Now, the word bishop and the word shepherd and pastor is the same thing in the Greek. It's the same function. However, for the sake that the government listens to our leaders, we decided, okay, we'll just call you bishop if you lead many churches. So that when you talk to these officials, they understand that you represent many. It was only functional. But if you talk to these people, like, like our brother Noel Pantoja, the brother of the late Dr. Luis Pantoja, uh, he, he's a very humble guy and doesn't like calling himself bishop, but he has to since he became the director, the secretary uh, general, or, or director, I think, director general of, of the Philippine Council of Evangelical Churches. So for the sake of the position and for the sake of representing the body of Christ, he uses that. But when you speak with him, he's a very normal, wonderful guy. We played golf once, and uh, he was better than me, definitely, because I was the worst state in my golf life then. 
but uh, you know, you can tell a person when you play golf with them because you spend four hours with them. You know if they curse. You know if they miss something, if they get mad. You can actually know a person. So uh, we played golf together before, and uh, I see that he's a wonderful guy. Yet he has to use the name Bishop, even though I believe he's not that comfortable there. So Paul writes to Timothy. Okay, shall we begin now? Paul writes to Timothy, whom he calls son in the faith. He wrote to instruct the young worker who was at Ephesus to step up to his calling. Can you say, step up? Step up. You see, most of us are at a certain level, and then uh, God wants us to step up, to go to the next level. And sometimes you won't feel comfortable if you're at the same spiritual level. You actually want to grow. Because if there's a true, genuine relationship with you in Christ, there's that desire to grow. Why? Because everything grows. If you plant seed, it grows. Trees grow. In fact, they grow so tall sometimes if you go to the forest because they want the sunlight and they just grow so tall. Everything that is alive grows. So Paul was saying to Timothy, step up. But Timothy has been a Christian for a long time. In fact, Paul mentored him how to serve the Lord. Yet Paul is still saying to him, step up. Come on, step up. And that's what a mentor does. Allows you or inspires you to go to the next level. And then after a while, to the next level. That's why when you encounter mentors, if you encounter me, I always encourage you or inspire you or even sometimes rebuke you. If you've been in the same spiritual state for a long time, we encourage you to go, come on, step up. And that's what a coach does, right? Even a coach in basketball, that's what they do. You know, they really want the players to be better. They do drills. They do plays until they get it right. Uh, boxing mentors, uh, coaches do that. They challenge their, their, their athletes to go beyond what they could do and master certain things. And that's why it is important that in Christianity or with our relationship with Christ, we are bonded together and we link ourselves to those who can shepherd, to those who can pastor, to those who can mentor. So I, I've given my life to mentor others who will mentor others. And if you are connected with me in, in the growth groups, which as all men are invited either directly to me or with the people I'm mentoring, a, a connection. Because we are always challenging everybody to take one more step. And one more step. Slowly stretching us rather than staying where we are forever. Those who stay where they are forever never get strong spiritually. In the same way, in, in, in building warriors, you, you cannot let people stay where they are. In mixed martial arts or in boxing or, or any sport that is, that is physical, you cannot just sit down and say, no, my sport requires that my muscles are always relaxed. My sport requires that I eat a lot of sweets and I get fat. Uh, even sumo wrestlers have to uh, exercise. We stretch people. And uh, Paul was saying to Timothy, step up, my son in the faith. And take note that the term son in the faith, he really treated Timothy like a son, even though Paul did not have a real son. He treated Timothy like a son, encouraging them to step up. And fathers would understand this, that fathers are watching their children. Parents are watching their children. And every time they grow to a certain area, it brings us joy. Once a child learns something new, it brings us joy. 
and it keeps bringing us joy. And somehow if they're stagnant and they're not learning something new or they're not changing, it disappoints parents. Saying, we, I've been teaching this to you for a long time. You haven't adopted yet. It disappoints parents. Not because parents are very irritating. It's because parents want to improve their children. And children, I hope you get the idea. And uh, one day you will be a father or a mother too. And take note, everything you sow, you will reap. If you are so rebellious, take note, maybe, maybe just one day you will have a daughter or a son that is twice or three times as rebellious as you. And if it ever it happens, please do some introspection and don't say, I've never done this before. Yes, it's always worse than you. Because you started it. It magnifies. So it's very good to have early introspection. So every time my children do something not nice, I look at myself, what have I done before? And I realize it's mostly from me, the good and the bad. And a little bit from my wife, the bad, but mostly the good. Uh, <laughs> okay, darling, those are points, okay. So, uh, so I say, okay, I, 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 I was like this once upon a time. So how do, I, how do I deal with me? How would I want to be treated. I want to be treated with respect, yet at the same time, I require that firmness because I need to learn quickly. So Paul right now is writing a Timothy, a stronger letter. Hey, 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 step up. Step up. Okay, we, you, we've been around here for a while. I need you to step up. Something's happening in the churches right now. I need you to step up. Paul reminded Timothy that they are soldiers. Soldiers in Christ. You would, it's not in the text we've read, but you can read that in the first part of chapter 2. And the earlier part of chapter 2 saying, we are soldiers and soldiers do not live ordinary lives. We are athletes and athletes are not normal people. We are farmers. We are hardworking farmers and farmers are not normal people as well. Paul was saying, we are not ordinary so stop looking at the world and say, that's their life. I want my life to be exactly like that. So I say to you, friends, you can never be ordinary if you are in Christ. Can you say, I am not ordinary? I am not ordinary. Can you say this, I am extraordinary? <laughs> we are different. We are soldiers. We are athletes. We are farmers. Our lifestyles cannot be the same as the world. That's why even Paul in another letter to the Romans says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not copy the pattern of this world. And if you get used to not being in the pattern of the world, you realize, yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible to overcome drunkenness. Yes, it is possible to overcome addiction. Yes, it is possible to love the unlovable. Yes, it is possible to break bad habits because once... Once you trained yourself to be in Christ as a soldier of Christ, as an athlete of Christ, as a farmer, a worker of Christ, you realize you are really not ordinary. And through mentoring, you are made to realize that, like Paul is making Timothy realize that, you cannot be ordinary. It's different now because now we have the Word of God. It's different now. So you don't say, well, everybody's having extramarital sex or premarital sex. Why not just do it myself? You see, we are not ordinary. We follow a code. That code is the Holy Scriptures. 
We have a code. We are soldiers. We are like knights of the king. We have a code to follow. We cannot just be like every other civilian. Say with me, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier. Again, I'm a soldier. I'm a soldier of Christ. We live for a higher purpose. Paul also instructed Timothy regarding shepherding duties. Hey, you have a duty, Mr. Timothy, in the different church communities. Even though he was in Ephesus, he was saying, you have a responsibility of the different church communities. So Paul was telling, reminding Timothy these things. And at the time of this writing, Paul was in a Roman dungeon and about to be executed. He was going to die. He knew inside of him it was time. There were many times in Paul's life there were problems, but he knew it wasn't time. But this time, deep inside of him, he knows it was time to die. Paul knew that the time was up. He fought the good fight. He finished the race. Therefore, we may assume this is the last letter he was going to write. We may assume that those he wrote were the closest to his heart. If you're a dying man and you want to write a letter to a young man and says, come to me, what will you say? You would think carefully what you're going to say. So I believe this was a well thought out letter. One of the highlights of the letter was not to be ashamed of me, a prisoner of Christ, because he was imprisoned. As preaching the gospel and even daring to say Jesus is Lord at that time, because in those days, it's always Caesar is Lord of all. Caesar was emperor. And of course, Paul was talking about the king of kings, a different kind of king who is king of all. And therefore, he got himself into trouble many times. And he was imprisoned here. And his other friends were ashamed of him, did not want to associate with him because this man of God was sent to prison Perhaps their theology was something wrong with their theology. Maybe they, they were already infected by a, if you're in Christ, everything's going to be all right. You will prosper and you will be rich. One part, yes. One part, no. One part, God wants to bless you. One part, God wants you to encounter sufferings and trials that you can be stronger in Him. That is in scripture, by the way. So I'm really sorry if I have to tell you that. Of course, if you would just want to listen to the prosperity preachers who keep telling you, you'll be rich and everything's going to be all right. I'm here to tell you, sometimes God allows these things so that we can learn. And once we've learned, we become stronger in Christ. So Paul was in prison. And so he was saying to Timothy, do not be ashamed of me. Others have left me. Can you imagine Paul being betrayed? Such a nice guy, right? Who would betray such a nice guy? Well, we betray one another when there is fear. When there is fear, we learn to lie. When there is fear, we learn to let go of ties. Paul was in prison. Others may have been afraid to be associated with him because they might be put into prison as well. So he was encouraging Timothy, do not be ashamed of me, or also saying to him, do not be afraid, just come over. If ever I get imprisoned, will you visit me? Or will you be ashamed of your pastor? 
Maybe you'll talk, did he kill anyone? Did he rape anyone? Did he... Will you still love me? No, nobody's arresting me, don't worry, okay? I have no arrest warrant, I have no case, I have nothing. I'm just saying there was such a time that you don't understand why was he imprisoned. But some would not visit Paul. He was alone in the dungeon. He was cold. That's why he said to Timothy, bring my cloak. He was cold. If you think January and February is cold in the Philippines, you don't know what it is in Rome. I was watching the news. Chicago, huh? I mean, like Siberia. Oh my, will I see a white tiger there? I don't know. Does the snow bring the white tiger? We don't know. No, it doesn't. But it was extremely cold. So I am cold. Do not be ashamed of me. And he reminded Timothy, hey, remember Christ. Christ was arrested by the Romans. Christ was crucified. Do not be ashamed of those who are imprisoned because of the gospel of Christ. Because of the gospel of Christ. He reminded Timothy of what the Lord went through, that his ordeal was part of the process. Jesus had to die. And Paul was about to die. Another highlight was to be careful of false teaching and false teachers. Yes, Paul warned Timothy, be careful of those who teach the wrong things. And we have read some are teaching the resurrection has already happened. It's just like in these days, people keep saying, the rapture already happened. Or he's going to come on September. He's going to come in the year 2000. He's going to come. And whenever I heard that, telling that, I said, oh boy, do you guys read your Bible? Nobody knows the day nor the hour. Nobody knows the time. It's in Matthew 24. So whoever tells you he's coming on this day because of the signs are all aligned. And I heard pastors saying that in the year 1999. One pastor told some of our members, uh, are you not buying a lot of stuff? Are you not storing a lot of food? I said, why? Why? Millennium bug. Oh, you mean that the, the, all the computers are only up to, to 1999? And, and I said, you know, it's just a software which you can adjust. I said, it's the end of the world. I said, no, 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 no. You believe that? Did you believe that? Were you a Christian that time? If you believe that, shame on you. You did not read Matthew 24. Did you? Don't. If somebody tells you the resurrection has happened, Jesus came already, but you didn't see him. Oh boy. And we, because we believe everything because we don't study. Too many debates are you pre trib, post trib, mid trib? I said mid-rib, is that it? Uh, <laughs> too much talk on these things. I said, have you looked at the context already before you be, even begin discussing that? He told Timothy, be careful with these false teaching and false teachers. Yet another highlight of the epistle was to remi a reminder 
of utmost importance, Timothy should study the Word of God, be diligent, and learn to be accurate in handling it, accurate in the Word of God. And the, these reminders were not only for Timothy, it applies to us today. So I encourage us to study the Word of God and be accurate in handling it. How? We start simple. For example, you read Timothy, you read John, the book of John. First, just read it and observe. Get a notebook. Observe what you observe. Write it down if you want. Just observe it. And based on the context, what do you think it means? Based on the context, not based on you pull out a verse. Imagine there are no numbers. It's just a text with no numbers, no verses. Just read it in its context because that's how to read it. You see, by putting verses, it helped us locate what it says. But it was also a great disservice to the Christian worldwide because of these numbers, we learn to take things out of context. We discuss a verse out from its origin. So what happens? Chaos. So then study first, what is John saying? Then once you get what John is saying based on the context, then you say, how can I apply this? OIA, observe, interpret. Interpret is what is the author trying to say? And how do I apply it? OIA. But you can expand further if you have materials like, like what happened in the culture of that time. Maybe you will have greater understanding. Because sometimes culture, background, history affects what people are saying. Like if I didn't say to you that he was in prison during this time, it may have a different meaning for you. If I did not say to you, this was the last letter of Paul, maybe it would have a different meaning for you. But when I said, this is the last one, he was about to die. And he says to Timothy, be accurate in handling the word of truth. Can you say accurate? Now, if I, anything I preach here, I always study the context. If I am out of context, challenge me. Challenge me. I must be corrected. All right? But if you want to follow every other preacher that, that, you know, that feels you agree with you, you know, that in the last days, Paul warned Timothy, in the last days, people will look for preachers, teachers who like, you know, just looking for what they want to hear. Rejecting sound teaching, sound doctrine. Do not neglect sound doctrine. So let's go back to these highlights once again. Paul tells Timothy to remind the community regarding what is important. What is important is that we follow Christ. What is important is we know the word of Christ. What is important is we live like soldiers of Christ. We dedicate ourselves. What is important is that we know that Christ is faithful. Even at times we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. What is important is if they deny, if we deny Christ, he will also deny us. Where is that? In the context. Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 13. You read it there. It's there. That's what I'm saying. Paul is saying that remind them how to live their lives. Do not live as ordinary lives. Think of how we can serve the Lord. How can we be a hardworking farmer? How can we be soldiers? How can we be athletes? How can we recognize who Christ is that he is faithful even at times we are unfaithful? He is faithful, but if we deny him, he will deny us. Amazing 
statement. Remind them of these things. So I remind us of these things. He is faithful even sometimes we are unfaithful. But if we deny him, he will deny us. Do not forget that. If one day somehow you become an OFW in Afghanistan or Iraq and you accepted the post and uh, it's generally peaceful, but what if somebody kidnaps you and tells you to deny your faith? Because that's exactly what they were doing. And it is rumored even parts of China, it is still like that. And you were challenged, not challenged, but threatened. And your loved ones in front of you threatened to be killed because those were the stories in Afghanistan when they would put their foot these extremists would put their foot on children and kill them. And the parents watching. And their only command is deny your faith. And they would not deny their faith. Because they know we deny ourselves. Because they have hope, they have faith that there is a better life after this. So, well, w will you deny Christ? What if you're threatened, they want to skin you alive, you know, like uh, or you're still alive and then they, they peel off your skin. Or they cut off your legs first and cook it and feed it to you. Will, will, will you? The key is to make the decision now so that when that happens, you have decided already. And that is basic of being a disciple. You cannot be my disciple if you do not deny yourself, Jesus said. It's basic in discipleship. So that when that happens, the decision has been made. Amen? So, gentlemen, that's also a, a technique in the mind. You have decided to be faithful to your wife and to Christ. So what then tem when temptation comes, you don't cross the line. Amen? I don't hear too much amen. So, uh, <laughs> You have decided, therefore, no matter what happens, you remember a certain decision. And young men, the same way. Do not give your strength to women. They will sap out your strength in there until there is nothing left. A woman or women sometimes can never be satisfied. And you will die older than when you think. You know, they glamorize these things. Oh, if you have many women, you are younger. I tell you, observe carefully. Watch carefully. Because scripture says, it reduces you to a loaf of bread. One woman is demanding enough, stay with one. Amen? Oh, I love you, my sisters. Please do not be offended. I'm just telling the men the reality. Make the decision now so when that happens, you have decided. Trust me, I've tried it before. I was tempted several times because I'm a speaker, not only in Christian circles, but... I'm a public speaker that gets invited in different countries and oftentimes without my wife. But my wife always prays for me and before I leave, she always says, God is watching you. <laughs> always a reminder. 
Always a reminder that God is watching me. So when the opportunity presents itself, often the decision has been made. I cannot. Then Paul tells Timothy, tell the community not to talk about useless words. Wrong doctrine that spreads like cancer. Useless words. People who just love to debate and talk without talking about life and repentance. You know some people are like that? In Luneta, in Manila, it's like that. I think here in the plaza, it's the same way. People who just love to debate. But if you ask them, have you repented of your sins? Shall we debate repentance that it is required? Because it's hard to go against that. In Luke 24, Jesus said that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be preached in all the nations. That repentance should be preached. He said, don't, don't go around wasting time. That's why, friends, I don't engage you in debate unless I say, read the Bible first, then we talk. Study the context first, then we talk. Because if you, but if you're going to start with one verse after another in different locations and put it in one, I can do that too. And if I do that, I can even end up with the conclusion that you should kill yourself. Oh yeah. You know what some of these preachers do? They take verse after verse from different places and they end up with the conclusion, give your money to me. Sent to this post office box or go online and swipe your credit card and God will bless you 100 times more. They do it all the time. We studied in Timothy, in Philippians, that Paul was serving Christ and he was in prison and they gave him a gift and he said, I thank you for my, your gift and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Context. Tell the community to stop useless words. We have to look at what the Bible taught and how we should live. See, what did the Bible say and how we should live our lives? Some people don't want to join growth groups or discipleship because they don't want to be changed. Huh? Because they want their lifestyle to continue. Some people don't want somebody peering in their lives a little bit to, so that they can pray for them. You see, that's, that's what family is. People know you. People know you in family, correct? I mean, they know when you wake up, what time you wake up. They know what time you sleep. They observe, family members unknowingly observe the others. And if you're in family, you know that nobody's perfect in family. But we're comfortable with friends because friends don't see us and we don't see them. Like two of my brothers in Christ in GCF Ortigas said in the youth, they said they're going to live in one house so that they're near the school, UP and Ateneo. I said, are you sure? Because once you're in the house together, like a, uh, they, they group shared in a house, you have to have very good discipline, very good house rules, or... You will get angry at each other, impatient at each other, and it can cost you your friendship. Young men, young women, don't think your friends are more understanding than your family. It so happened that you're not living with them. Oh, that's the reality of life, correct? 
interview the husband and wife today, when they started, they thought everything was okay until they lived together. And then the real adjustment started. Oh, we know how to adjust, mom, dad, we know that. Okay, you want to get married? Go ahead. And then after the honeymoon, sometimes it's okay. Other times, no, it's World War III. Not always. I'm not scaring you. Please, don't say, I won't get married anymore, Pastor. No, 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 don't say that. I'm just saying these are real. That's why when we do premarital counseling, I said, are you sure you're both God's will for each other? Do you know what the scripture expects of both of you? And then, and, uh, can you provide? Can you support him? Uh, can you be responsible? Uh, can you be, uh, be understanding, both of you? Can you adjust to these things? And then we tell them, what can you adjust now mentally? What can you share out to each other about your weaknesses and what you expect right now before entering? That's a tedious process. Period. marital counseling is a tedious process. But others just want to rush and just announce to me, Pastor, we're getting married. Oh, good for you. You don't care to seek advice? Then don't. So we just say, why don't you just read this book and that book? Somehow at least you can discuss the books and somehow make an arrangement. Then that's why you end up with men, I don't understand my wife. And wives talk to their friends, oh, my husband never changed. One time I was in this insurance seminar, which I was taking my license. I was 18 years old. And yeah, before graduating college, I was kind of the working student. So I, I passed the exam, but I remember one lecturer says, uh, jokingly, about, well, but that's the reality of most people. They just learn to be at peace with one another. But if you don't really understand one another in the Bible sense, then is there truly love or harmony? I'll continue this next Sunday, all right? Because it's Valentine's. Uh, us coming, so I'll discuss this next Sunday. But Paul was telling Timothy, stop the useless words. Stop the useless words. And really talk about Scripture and how it applies to life. Remember in verse 19, to them who name the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness. That's why the gospel is, it's not just confess the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. And you shall be saved. It actually means repentance because if you talk to Look at Paul and connect all his writings because you can do that because it's the same writer. It might be in a minor different context, but it's the same writer. The same writer, Paul, who said to Romans, if you believe in your heart, God raised him and confess here with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. He also said to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, what did he say? Everyone who names the name of the Lord should abstain from wickedness. Meaning, if you consider Jesus as your Lord, you should have repented of your sins. There is no middle ground. Paul reminds Timothy, tell them to stop because it spreads like cancer. If anybody of you think you're intelligent in Scripture, then let us discuss humbly. But then I want us to study carefully carefully. No, my friends, you don't have to be a graduate of Greek or Hebrew, but you just have to understand simple context. 
Paul reminds Timothy to study to show himself approved of God, accurately handling the word of truth. Accurately handling the word of truth. Be careful when you handle the word of truth. Be very careful. As I grow in Christ from then until now, I realize I'll never preach the things I preached before. Because the more I grow in the Lord, the more I realize some of the things I preached wasn't as accurate. Sometimes you may think it's not as harmful anyway, but again, it's still not accurate. It's not for the sake of nobody was harmed. It's for the sake of, is it accurate? That's why there are some titles of songs I don't like. Like, I don't like reckless love for crying out loud. Do you understand Romans? Reckless love? You're humanizing God too much. You know, if, we, if I can just call the one who made that song, say, change the title. Reckless love? You think it was reckless? Everything was planned from the start. Man would sin. The Savior must come. It was designed. Everything was designed from the start. Reckless love. I don't like the title. Sometimes, well, is it harmful? It can be. If you have that concept of God that God made somebody preached one time and John Piper exposed it and said, I don't agree with this guy. He said, God is the greatest risk taker in the world. When he took the risk of creating man, I said, what? He knew what would happen. He had foreknowledge. In fact, to a point that it was predestined to happen. God is not a risk taker. So he started preaching. God took a risk on you when he saved you. I mean, crazy, crazy. Read your Bible, preacher. Accurately. Don't you love accuracy? Don't you love it exactly when somebody knows you exactly, right? Oh, this person knows me so well. They know your favorite food. They know the kinds of movies you watch. And you just appreciate because of the accuracy. And when they say, you know what my friend said? And they heard it. And you could say, that's right. That's me. That's what I believe. It's accurate. You, you applaud because it's accurate. But if it's not accurate, I say, hey, 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 I didn't say that. Out of context, man. I didn't say that. Don't you feel that sometimes? When people misquote you and spread it to others, but you actually didn't say that? Bring it back to our relationship with God. It's hard to misquote or mishandle the Word of God because God wouldn't want it. Maybe in heaven one day when we are being judged, some of us will be told by God, I didn't say that, and this, and this, and this. You said so many things I didn't say because we were not accurate. So our desire is to be accurate in handling the word of truth because, you know, it affects the way we live. The more accurate we are with the word of God, it affects the way we live. If we don't understand grace and we are always condemned whenever we sin, 
If we don't understand judgment and righteousness, we run after sin without the fear of God. If we don't understand that, to be accurate, this is what God said as sin, and these are things are not necessarily sin, then we would be living in a point where everything is bawal. You know, that's why sometimes it's not good to be some Christians, because they think everything is bawal. Oh, we bawal yan. Oh, Oh, you're drinking coffee and somebody says, you know that, that coffee is not good for you? Oh, talk, to my doc, talk to my doctor in church. He owns a coffee shop. <laughs> and he can bring you so many studies that coffee is also good for you. Everything's bawal. There was actually one seminary that you cannot join that seminary unless you sign that you will not go into any movie house. What if they're showing the Kung Fu Panda? I can't go in. I mean, maybe in your time, there were so many lewd movies. Once upon a time in the 70s, anywhere you go in Kubao, there was a lewd movie somewhere. But these days, even SM said, no more. You're, you're going to put that before you join? Everything's bawal. But what the Bible said is bawal should be bawal. Sex outside of marriage is bawal. Clear? Hating your brother is bawal. That's why you don't, you express, I hate you, I hate you. Oh, these teenagers. Be accurate. Be accurate. Remember, 1 John says, He who hates his brother, the love of God is not in him. You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. 1 John says, You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. I hate you. Grow up. How do you grow up? Anchor ourselves in the Word of God. Study. Application. Study God's Word personally and collectively. Never give up. Keep doing it. Hey, Some of you who study God's Word with a group and do it by context, keep doing it. And it's not just studying. In fact, after you hear a clear explanation of Scripture here, you can go home and test the veracity of it. But when you meet in a group, what do you discuss? How do we apply this in our lives? Sometimes there is a gap between the message and the life and the application. To a point that one, one great man said, Gandhi said, I like Christ, but I don't like Christians. We are so judgmental in every little thing. But our own lives is not salt and light to this earth. We don't do enough to change society. We are not salt enough. We don't contribute well to our community. Then we just judge others. That's the problem of Christianity, even in the West. They keep talking, but not do anything. That's why I applaud those who get into like YMCA, tree planting. It's good because they help the environment, right? And these visitors from South Korea, YMCA, they did a, a, whole, a sort of a daycare center to take care of the kids in one community. Those little efforts contribute. Or just plant a tree so you can tell a story because it's in the law that every Filipino should plant a tree every year. It's in the law. Oh, Google it. 
law stating Philippine, every Filipino should plant a tree. It's a law. They don't just implement it because almost so many are guilty of it. Study. Study God's Word. Avoid useless discussions that are not aligned to the Word of God. Protect God's people from false teaching, false doctrine. How? By teaching them to observe context. Context. You hear sometimes in, in TV, these preachers, one preacher would say that, that he is the Son of God. Uh, aren't we all, if we are in Christ, aren't we all children of God? No, no, but he's exclusive, you know. You see, there was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then himself, the fourth. Uh, I said, I thought it was a triunity, and uh, then you came in. And why only you? Why, why is not the body of Christ included? He's so special. Okay, he's so special. Don't invest too much time listening to that guy. But then I ask you, have you read the whole Bible? You say no. If you, every day, you spend time in the Bible and studying the context better. And be reminded of the salvation in Christ leads to what? Abstinence of wickedness. We don't want to sin. I'm not saying we'll be perfect, but we just don't want it. I'm not saying you won't sin, but you don't want it. You're trying to get away from it. But yes, we are humans and sometimes we fall. But the more we are in Christ, the stronger we become through the years. And you realize, yes, it's true. We can say no. But that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean we're perfect. Hey, the person beside you is not perfect. All right? So don't judge that person. Kalakoba, Christian kana. Stop. Nobody's perfect. So that's like some kid wrote a letter to his parents. If you are reading this letter, I may have taken my life already. And he said so much about his, his grades and his, his relationships, his, his depression in life. And it was a, a letter that would make any parent grieve. But then on the second page, page I was just joking. <laughs> this was to put things in perspective. Uh, in my drawer is the list of my grades. <laughs> so, intelligent kid. <laughs> so, he would, they, he would still be loved by his parents. No, no, kids, don't do that. <laughs> If your father has a heart problem and he dies, oh boy, it's, it's going to be on you. So don't do that. I mean, but this kid was just putting things in perspective. All I'm saying is, since nobody's per perfect, we have to love one another as Christ loved us. Despite our weaknesses. However, we must encourage one another to keep improving and changing without the judgment. Is that possible? Look. We have prepared, you know, when, whenever we meet people, for example, they have sinned and say, we love you, brother and uh, sister. We don't judge you, but do you know that what you did was wrong? Yes, good. That's enough for me that you know it's wrong. And have, will you commit not to do it again? Yes. You see, we have to counsel. If you committed a sin with others, especially if it's extramarital sex or you've defrauded others of money, etc., we have to talk to you. Because it affects the testimony of the church. 
But if it's a sin between you and God, like there this brother with a very high standard of himself, he was sharing to me, Pastor Red, can I talk to you? I need prayer. I need to confess a sin. Okay, what's your sin? Uh, well, I don't receive confession. I'm just there for prayer, okay? Take note, you can confess to your sins directly to God. But he just wanted to open up. Sometimes you need somebody to talk to and say, Pastor, okay, what's, what's your sin? I said, well, I thank God for the pancit, but I forgot to thank God for the water. I said, you, you can talk to God about that. You don't have to tell me. Do you even see me? Sometimes I eat directly. And while I'm chewing, I say, thank you, Lord. Don't be legalistic about that. We haven't prayed yet. Pastor, I'm praying in my heart. <laughs> Sometimes we have all these Christian religious traditions that it should be this way and not that way. Uh, why can't we pray after the meal? Can't we do that? Well, praying before the meal is fantastic. I'm not against that, okay? But I don't condemn you if you forgot. We just make it a joke. Somebody, when every mouth is full, then I say, let us pray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're so hungry, but you know, you don't condemn people because you, you have a religious tradition, but not necessarily biblical. All right? I'm not mad at you, I'm mad about what happens. All right? Know the boundaries, but within the boundary, we allow a certain level of freedom and a certain level of conscience. Study to show yourself approved before God. This year we will study God's word and we will do it for the glory of God. Amen? Solid day of glory. Glory to God alone. Everything we do, everything we see in scripture that he wants us to do, we want to do it. Not because we were told to do it. Not because somebody's nagging us to do it, but because we say glory to God alone. You're going to come church earlier and not late. Amen? Amen. And you're going to do it for the glory of God. Amen? Amen? Oh, I don't mean to. I'm not putting you on the spot. Half of you are guilty of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's so disturbing when somebody's praying here or, or announcing here and you come in very late. Uh, no, no, please. I love you and I don't want you to say, I won't go to church anymore because I'm late. Uh, well, if you're late for the sermon, go to the Vesper instead, okay? Yeah, there was somebody there who was running, running, rushing. It was like 11.15. I said, I was listening down there. When there's another preacher here, I listen. I don't stay inside. I listen somewhere. I don't want pe preachers to be conscious of me, okay? So I was listening there, and, and there was this rushing. I said, wait, wait. How will po? Vesper cannot. I didn't let the guy in and told him, go back to Vesper. Maybe I should change roles. Others would preach and I will stay there. And when I see you there, I'll tell you, go to Vesper. But I thank God that a lot of you, a lot of you stopped standing up while I'm preaching. You know I don't like that. That's why I tell you, if you're thirsty, bring some water. But if you go to pee a lot, don't drink any water before coming to church. <laughs> or make sure you pee before you come in. You go to the restroom before you come in because standing up and walking sometimes disturbs me. And you know what? When I see you, 
since I know a lot of you here and I observe a lot of you, even though you don't know me personally, I might think of an example related to you. Oh, you know, there's this brother. He keeps standing all the time. <laughs> uh, no, I love you. That's, this is my way of, of improving us. I try to be less personal, uh, but we must be stronger in God's Word. So if you haven't finished the Bible, please begin. How do you begin? Chapter 1 of John or chapter 1 of Matthew or Matthew and Genesis and you go through it together. Huh? If you so lazy that just reading one verse makes your eyes heavy. It's unnatural. Therefore, I conclude there are demonitos hanging on your eyelids. <laughs> it's hanging on your eyelids, hanging there, trying to uh, close it. So you have to rebuke that demonito to get out. Read. Start with the book of Proverbs. It's easier. It's an easy reading. And if you're going to read, read with coffee. The strongest coffee you can find. <laughs> Don't make excuses. Strongest coffee you can find. What if I die of nervousness? At least you'll go to heaven. Okay? Because <laughs> you died reading the Bible, all right? <laughs> Let's all rise and let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. We want to be approved by you, accurately handling the word of truth. Yet we pray, teach us to understand that you don't want us to live ordinary lives. You want to, us to live extraordinary lives. We are your soldiers. We are your hardworking farmers. We are your athletes. Give us that discipline to know you, that spiritual discipline to be always connected with you. Teach us not to talk about useless things that harm others harm the philosophy and theology of others, but rather teach us to speak accurately about your word and teach us to be careful. Teach us to study with God's people personally and collectively to read, meditate, interpret within the context and practice what we've learned. Teach us to abstain from wickedness. Father, we honor you and we thank you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Amen.